friends in the industry. So in my experience, they become extremely effective at completing required tasks. You need to have a strong understanding of what is required, but you also need to clearly see and comprehend what's expected of you so you can act accordingly. So for example, carrier compliance big topic, I know. And as most of us are aware, there are several components we need to comply with to truly be operating within the boundaries of compliance. So between what documents are required, what training, what needs to be filed and which file, understanding the specific details to be located in your safety and maintenance program, and set the intervals that are actually being met as to what is written. And the list literally goes on and on about the amount that you're required to know and comply with. So it's safe to say there's a lot to know and comply with, of course, but just because there's a lot, which makes it even more crucial for carriers to understand what's required of them and clearly see and comprehend what is expected so you can act accordingly. It's also important to note that just because there's a lot doesn't mean that we can say, oh, my excuse for non-compliance is because there's a lot. You got to make sure that you're operating within the boundaries of compliance set and the regulations. So to help prepare new carriers to understand their compliance requirements in Alberta specifically, steps were taken to implement a training process before you can even start operating as a carrier and obtain your safety fitness certificate. From there, new carriers in Alberta, they're then required to undergo a new carrier, carrier compliance review within the first nine to 12 months to ensure that you're operating within compliance, but also to provide an opportunity to educate in areas that may not be up to par. So I'm Josh Hanabry, your host here at the Truck Focus Podcast, and our mission here is simple. We're connecting transportation industry leaders to the industry to help create a pivotal change. Today, I'm super excited to have someone that I have a ton of respect for back on the Truck Focus Podcast, Chris Volcam, owner of KCAN Safety Consulting and Compliance Box. So during our conversation, we really dive into what are the requirements of a new carrier compliance review for new Alberta carriers, as Chris highlights key components to keep in mind in order to be successful during the review. Additionally, we dive into how Compliance Box is helping carriers manage their compliance requirements efficiently. So for those looking to start their own trucking company here in Alberta, which I highly recommend, or for existing carriers that are looking to expand their knowledge of what is required of them, this conversation is a must listen. So throughout our conversation, again, Chris highlights his expertise as a third-party auditor here in Alberta and how he performs audits and reviews on Alberta carriers all the time. So if you're looking to contract an auditor in Alberta, I highly recommend working with Chris and Duncan with KCAN Safety Solutions. You can learn more by visiting kcan.ca. Furthermore, in our conversation, it's awesome how we're able to dive into how Compliance Box is helping carriers with their compliance needs in an efficient manner. So if you're looking to learn more, I also highly recommend visiting compliancebox.ca and speaking with Chris so that way you can actually see everything that how it works, how it integrates the costs and all that good stuff. So I look forward to the impact this conversation is going to have. Let's get to it. All right. Uh, super excited, uh, Chris, to have you back on the Truck Focus podcast um, for a couple of reasons. First, the topic that we're going to dive in today, new, or, or sorry, talk about today, new carrier compliance reviews. Um, being obviously we're both based in Alberta, it's a really uh, ongoing hot conversation because I think there's a lot of 
how do I do? What do I do? What about that? I'm excited that you're going to be able to provide a lot of clarity on today. I think that's awesome. And I really admire and respect your specialty and your expertise in this space. Um, so yeah, obviously as the owner of KCAN Safety Consulting, but also with Compliance Box and why it's also awesome that you're back on the podcast is Compliance Box and Chris. I'm um, just, we're so grateful. Just the support you've shown in our podcast journey, being a sponsor too. It's just all in all, it's phenomenal. And I really admire the fact that we can legit, or legitimately say we're in each other's corners. And when uh, when you succeed, I celebrate. When I succeed, you celebrate. And I know we've built a strong friendship, but also a group of friends that just continues to evolve and people are getting better and stronger. So I'm just super grateful that you're here, my friend. So welcome back. Yeah, thank you very much. And and honestly, for everybody listening too, like uh, I'm just excited that we can find another way to uh, engage the industry uh, educate and try and dispel some myths and and get everybody on the same page for what needs to be done. Totally. I like that word myth. I think a lot of times people maybe assume and then that telephone game, two or three assumptions later, it's totally off par. So I totally agree. And I'm grateful for that. So to start us off, before we dive into that, can you give our listeners just a quick recap um, of who you are, your journey in industry, as well as I'll drop the link, but they can go check out episode 46 as well to uh, learn a little bit more. Sure. Uh, so KCAN Safety has been around for, we're in our 22nd year, started as a family business. Uh, our company logo is a uh, turtle with a maple leaf on it. We're pretty fortunate that the very first client we ever had was the Cayman Islands government. Uh, so Cayman, Canada, KCAN, that's where we got our name. Uh, had a company timeshare down there for a few years, and uh, we've been opening up those channels. Looks like we might be back down there in 2022 to train their uh, island enforcement officers on what to look for for, for vehicles. Uh, locally up here in Alberta, um, uh, family business. My dad started it. I was in the background worked for the company for years, branched off on my own, uh, worked for private industry. And then four years ago, uh, I made the ship, uh, jump ship from private industry and took over KCAN as my own business. Uh, so I'm a certified third-party auditor, which basically means here in Alberta, if your carrier profile or your CVOR or whatever you may refer to it for listeners uh, has enough points on it, Alberta Transportation will send a letter saying you have to have an audit and it has to be booked by you uh, and paid for by you. And here's the list of people that can do it. So I'm one of the, the people on that list that can do it. Uh, and we've we've grown our company over the last few years. We've added uh, a second auditor, uh, Duncan Fullerton, who has also been on uh, this podcast before, uh, which has been fantastic. And then we do a bunch of other ancillary, trying to help people out before they get to the audit stage. Uh, consulting, training, um, online training, and uh, as we've mentioned a thousand times on this podcast, uh, compliance box. Uh, so we launched an online service last year to try and help carriers manage their compliance requirements uh, with letting them focus on their business and compliance box just pointing out the areas of concern. Powerful, man. It's exciting. And it's nice to see. So a couple of things that always come to mind when we have conversations or we have a mutual friend, Jeremy Woolward, huge shout out to him as well. And it's like, I really admire the fact that you're so progressive in industry. And you also really understand what it takes for from a carrier compliance perspective to be successful. And to be a 
obviously designated in, or as a third-party auditor. And to be able to have a business where you're able to take it over from your dad and be multinational and you're involved in all these projects, I think it's really cool. And it really does portray what is possible when you stay diligent, steadfast, but you're also just a good guy. Like I think that's something that really needs to be said because to our carriers that are listening and they're like, hmm, you're right, actually, I do need to go for an audit here soon. Or what goes into an audit? I like to be confident in who I can refer and brag about. And I like that we have that mutual respect where I can say, okay, I, yeah, absolutely. We know where to go. And it's just obviously back to KCAN and compliance box for various services. So I really appreciate that. Where would our listeners go if it's one website or drop both so that way they can learn more about KCAN and compliance box before we dive in? Yeah, sure. Uh, website for KCAN is kcan.ca, C-A-Y-C-A-N.ca. And compliancebox.ca is our marketing site for Compliancebox as well. Uh, you can find my email address on the KCAN website. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Feel free to contact me however you want. I'm always there to answer questions and get people pointed in the right direction. Awesome. Yeah, and I'll make sure to include all those links that are in the episode. And if we drop any others, of course, I'll make sure to include those too. So hot topic that we're going to discuss, which I'm super excited about, is new carrier compliance reviews. And as Chris was giving a rundown of his journey, he talked about the word audit being third-party auditor. So this is a, a component of that entire conversation. So Chris, to start us off, can you kind of give the overview of someone comes to industry, again, we're talking in Alberta, but they're wanting to become a carrier. They go through all the hoops to become a carrier. And then they hear the term new carrier compliance review. Can you kind of give a summary of what that is? Yeah, 100%. Uh, so after you've been issued your safety fitness certificate here in Alberta, uh, at some point between nine months, but before the end of the 12th month, uh, after your certificate's been issued, you have to have arranged uh, for a new carrier compliance review to be completed by a certified reviewer. Um, a key word here in this is review. We do audits for the government, but this is a review. Uh, the, the coaching we've been receiving from Alberta Transportation behind this is, is it's purely educational. They want to make sure that uh, carriers are aware of their responsibilities, what needs to get done. And the focus that at least KCAN brings to the review is to try and educate the carriers with their compliance requirements when we find a deficiency. Um, commonly, we have uh, carriers that are owner operators. And one of the things that uh, all authorized drivers have to have in their driver file is an application for employment with at least three years history and an abstract pulled within the first 30 days of hire and no more than every 365 days after that, they have to pull more. Um, as an owner operator, does it make sense that you would fill out an application form or a resume to work for yourself? You're probably gonna hire yourself. Um, so that's one of the things that ends up being a deficiency in a review for those carriers where they go, oh, I don't have to pull abstracts or I, I, don't do, I didn't do a resume because I work for myself. Um, so those are some, some easy wins that we point out, yes, it makes sense. You probably are still going to hire yourself, even though um, you might have something on your application form or your abstract that a normal employer wouldn't, uh, or you might have a clean one, but the regulation doesn't specifically say owner operators are exempt. 
So that needs to get done. Uh, so that uh, that's what we're trying to do is we've done so many audits over the years where the response at the end of the audit, we're going over the report with the carrier is nobody told me I had to do this. When you first get your safety fitness certificate, you used to just have to sign a form saying, I promise that I know all the rules and I will follow them. So that was kind of the government's way of saying, okay, it's your responsibility. You're going to do what you can. Then with this new entry program that started in 2019, the hoops that you mentioned uh, is uh, someone from the company has to take an online training course and a compliance exam has to be completed at registry's office. So this is kind of the final step where we come in and we don't have the magnifying glass like we would with a full audit. Um, but we're looking to, to have a basic overview of your carrier safety and maintenance, uh, written safety and maintenance program, and a brief overview of your driver, vehicle files, hours of service, and your insurance. Um, again, as a review, not as an audit. Uh, so that's, in a nutshell, what the process is. Hey, Josh here. Just a quick interruption of our conversation is I wanted to take a moment to highly recommend that if you're looking for an auditor or a consultant here in Alberta, that you consider KCAN Safety Consulting. So I've included their link directly to their website in the show notes. So make sure that you go check them out. Let's get back to the episodes. Nice. Good. I appreciate that. And that's some really good clarity because I think, well, I even said the word audit and I should have said the word review. So I'm glad you clarified that. Thank you. Because yeah, again, when you're not in it every day, or if you're never in it, it's a lot to know. So one of the questions that I wanted to get to was some of the common challenges that you can see from a behavior standpoint or document standpoint. And you're right, though, I think, well, from my experience, a lot of owner operators, they either become an owner operator because they feel undervalued with where they're at, or they just don't have the opportunity to get a job with where they're at. And there's a lot of newly licensed owner operators that unfortunately are paying ridiculously high insurance, but they're making good money because they're able to buy a power unit and now they're pulling someone else's trailer. So the um, I'm gonna go to the application for a second. In the States, there's a pretty long list when we're talking driver files and then into the nitty gritties of the application. In Alberta, aside from the three years, is there anything specific that had to be in there besides maybe a name and a signature? Uh, so in Alberta, every single driver file has to have um, an application form or a resume with at least three years of uh, employment history on there. Uh, so one of the things that's an issue there is sometimes someone might have a six, seven, eight month or a year gap in employment. Um, so that should properly be identified so we can tell is that full three years been accounted for. Um, and then. Uh, once you've authorized someone, actually, I'll back this up. The biggest thing that people uh, misunderstand with this is the, these is this is the requirements for all drivers that are authorized to operate an NSC vehicle. So anybody in your fleet that is allowed to take the keys and go start the truck and put it in gear or the bus and move it around, this is what's required. So the application form or the resume. With that employment history within 30 days of being put on that list you have to pull an abstract it should be before that would be government best practice 
You want to know what sort of person that you're giving the keys to, what their driving behavior is. Again, as an owner operator, you kind of know your history already, but the regulations do require all authorized. There's no exemptions for that. Um, abstracts, this is an area where people tend to fall down is within 30 days of hire, they were uh, required that first abstract. And you have to pull an abstract no more than every 365 days. Every record that I'm talking about has to be kept for five years. So um, in the new carrier compliance review, uh, annually updated abstracts isn't usually something we look at because hopefully you're doing your review before the end of your 12 months and no one has been authorized to drive for a longer period than 12 months. Um, but this is in the full audit, it's something we find a problem with. Uh, even huge carriers that have been around for years that are billion dollar companies might say, well, we pull our abstracts annually in January. Well, if you pull January 25th this year and next year you get your abstracts January 27th, it's more than 365 days. So that gap is there. Uh, so abstracts are very important. And then uh, carriers have to ensure that all of their authorized drivers are properly trained in, in regards to transportation safety laws. What Alberta Transportation has deemed to be those applicable safety laws is hours of service, cargo securement, vehicle inspections, and weights and dimensions. Um, how do you train those drivers? That might be a good topic that we could spend an hour on in, in this podcast. Um, but bundling that down is we need to have proof that you have been, uh, you, you've deemed those drivers uh, as having understand, a proper understanding in all of those categories. That can be, oh, this person had a training certificate from a previous employer that says that they've done it. And if you've reviewed the certificate and think that it's valid, great. You can purchase online training from Pivotal uh, Transportation or for from KCAN or numerous other services. Um, and those are gonna be uh, very thorough courses that cover the entirety of the legislation. You might have a business that uh, does not need to know all of the trip inspection standard or cargo standard or hours of service. So the, the courses are not regulated. You, me, or anybody else can develop a new course for a company that's boiled down to just what they need to know. So we need to see that there's something signing off that the every authorized driver has at least those four courses. Um, again, weights and dimensions is a good example. If you're only operating, uh, uh, let's just say a one-ton deck truck that is a federal carrier, you don't need to know what the weights uh, Super B can haul. So we could just keep that boiled down to, to that content. And then uh, the other thing for driver files is we track your hours of service records for those drivers for the, at least the last six months. That's, that's what we're digging into for that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's a lot. And again, there's <laughs> why I say that is if you go to the internet and you're to Google, like, you know, AR, what's the rank? I can't remember off the top of my head. For uh, driver for yeah, unfortunately, they're in uh, three or four different regs. <laughs> um, so the commercial vehicle safety uh, regulation is the one that applies to 
some of the the requirements, uh, and that would be the one that's going to come up for um, uh, driver files, which is one twenty one two thousand nine. Right. So that that right there is the point where it's in when it's in multiple locations, and it is not your common day to day. Your common day to day is to you want to tie stuff down properly. You're going to deal with your customers. You're going to go get fuel. It can be burdensome to say, sorry, I needed what? And I needed who? And oh yeah, I remember kind of that in training. But so again, working closely with people like Chris is huge. Go ahead. It, well, no, I, even then, uh, knowing where all the regulations are, uh, off the cuff of my head, I defaulted to 121-2009. It's actually AR314-2002, the vehicle certificate insurance regulation. Okay. So okay. Uh, I have these all in my head, but even being an expert and doing this for 22 years, um, it, you don't always know the correct one to dive into off right away. The uh, yeah, Control F and Google are my best friends, <laughs> depending on the on the scenario, of course. But yeah, when you're if you're first in industry, this is what a lot of this conversation is about. Is okay, this is what you're up against. It's not likely that you're spending your Tuesday and Thursday night studying the regs, like this being real. So it just shows the the strength of Chris and the fact that he could probably recite a lot of the regulations backwards where I'm like, say what? So I think that's really impressive. But yeah, the fact that you have to be really careful and maintain you said for five years in a driver driver file. So obviously by the time of your review, you got your nine to 12 month window, you still got to maintain that. And I think, so you hit hours of service documents too, if you wanted to expand on your experience as an overview where trip inspections, we can get to here in a second when we're talking compliance box, but hours of service records. So if you're on paper, you can buy them. So they're on the same form. How often are you seeing people, well, I kept a current month or I kept some of it and the rest I just threw out because I didn't know I was supposed to keep it. How do you see that? Yeah, it, it's hit and miss. Uh, everybody kind of handles it a little differently. Um, I, I come across carriers that only fill out a logbook when they operate a commercial vehicle. Uh, so some carriers will just keep that paper log in the truck. And when Joe is asked to go drive it, he fills out a logbook for that day. Um, which most cases is probably not compliant. Um, if they're within their 160 and properly tracking their hours, otherwise it could be. Um, but for the most case, those guys aren't aren't following that. They don't know the rest of the rules. Um, I have some other people that say, I don't have to follow hours of service because I'm within my 160. Um, but that that's incorrect. Um, there's there's four bullet points with the 160 rule. You have to ret uh, return to your home terminal to finish your day. So where you pick up the truck is where you have to, to park it. Um, depending whether you're on the federal or the provincial hours of service rule, you have to finish your work shift within 15 hours and take eight hours off. You can't operate outside 160K. And then the kicker is you have to work for a carrier that's keeping accurate records of basically your shift start time and your shift end time for every day employed, including days off. So... Uh, if you are tracking what time you did a pre-trip every morning, it's fairly common. I have people show me their pre-trips as their hours of service document. It's great that you showed me, okay, you started your shift at 5 a.m. because you did your pre-trip at 5, but when did you finish work? If you don't tell me that, you're not keeping an accurate record of your shift start and end time, 
and now you're not in compliance with the 160 rule. And owner operators, yeah, working on the truck and doing your pre-trip is great, but any work performed for the carrier, and it doesn't matter if you're paid or not, is on duty time. So if you're an owner operator and you go to Costco on the weekend and see that they've got bulk motor oil or something that you're going to buy for the business, technically now you're performing work for the carrier and you should be on duty for that. Or if you're doing a service on the truck on the weekend, you might not do a pre-trip and track those hours, but that time still needs to be accounted for. Hours of service rules follow the driver. They want to make sure that the driver is not too fatigued to be behind the wheel. Um, so if, a, if an owner operator has uh, over the weekend spent 18 hours in the shop doing a rebuild or whatever they might be doing, uh, we want to make sure that they've got adequate rest before they hop into the truck the next time. And that's, that's an area that generally falls down. Um, the other thing that I'm seeing is uh, electronic logging devices. They're starting to be a hot topic as they're supposed to be required. I guess we'll see January 1st, 2023. Um, but an electronic logging device is not the be all and end all. You can't just buy it and think you're compliant. Um, first things first, if you don't configure it properly, you're going to have a lot of violations every day. I just completed an internal audit for a carrier running a full ELD that did not properly put in the home terminal address or the principal place of business. So every single log prints a form and manner violation. Another carrier that I've done an audit or review on, um, the tablets were mounted in the truck, but the drivers only use the truck for 10% of their job. So they only would log on duty when they actually drove the truck and the rest of the time they would log off duty. Again, we're trying to make sure that the drivers aren't too fatigued to be behind the wheel so that other time spent working needs to be tracked. Um, and then somewhere in between, we have people that fill out paper logs that have been doing this for 20 or 30 years or shown by somebody that's been doing it for 20 or 30 years and are great. And others that have the exact same background and training are making copying the mistakes that somebody else has been doing for that amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, uh, I have an old safety guy that he was a mentor of mine, great guy. And his opening statement was we're, uh, so when we were doing training together, he would say, who here has been in a public bathroom at a truck stop along the highway. Everyone raises their hands. He's like, yeah, you know, all that graffiti that you see on the door that people write when they're bored and they're in the bathroom. Everyone's like, yeah. He's like, that's a pretty accurate way to, de to decipher how people train each other often when we're talking hours of service or what's allowed on a deck of a deck truck, that kind of thing. He's like, we're just going to clean that off and start fresh because if, yeah, don't know, you don't need to fill out a cycle. You just scratch those out. It's like, okay, scratch them out. But yeah, anyway, it's a, uh, it's a common trend. But again, it's great to see your perspective and hear your perspective because then, as again, as we just continue to empower and educate, people shift what they're doing and like, oh have to sign that. Yes, you do. Okay. I can sign that because a lot of it's not difficult. It's just paying attention. So appreciate the, uh, the oversights there or the insights. I'm sorry there. So now I really like to talk about compliance box. And again, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of it. I'm sorry. My voice kind of went a little weird, <clears throat> but um, 
how are carriers able to use compliance box when they're from day one till going up to the review? And I know that there's a lot of opportunities here, so we can run with whatever or all directions that you want to go. But how are carriers able to utilize, if we're talking more on the vehicle side, so pre-trip inspections, if it's file management, how are they benefiting when they're working with the app and the program? Yeah, um, thank you. So Compliance Box was designed to be a one-stop, the the longer-term compliance in a box. We wanted you to be able to pick up a a subscription, sign up, and if you follow what Compliance Box tells you what to do, you should be in compliance for a new carrier compliance review or an audit. Uh, So as soon as you add a driver into the system, the system starts looking for the applicable documents that we talked about. Uh, a uh, application form or resume, abstracts, uh, the training certificates. Um, we even go a little bit beyond. Uh, so abstracts, uh, we don't ask you when the document's going to expire. We know that by regulation. So we ask you when you got the abstract, and then we'll automatically create an alert system behind that to let you know before it gets uh, it, it expires, you're going to be uh, alerted so that you can always be in compliance. Um, the same thing with the vehicle file. When you add a commercial vehicle, we start looking for uh, the CVIPs, the registration, uh, and we'll trigger alerts if any of those start to be coming due. Uh, so the way I want to look at it is once you've got your data into compliance box, um, your administrative and, and compliance teams can focus on the rest of what they need to do until they get an alert from the system. Uh, we do manage uh, the preventative maintenance side of things. So pre-trip inspections, drivers on the mobile app uh, can com- conduct a full DVIR. We go a little bit further than uh, just making a PDF of the old paper form. We actually list all of the potential defects and we have uh, some graphics and, and helper text to, to help people identify defects. After that's done, uh, if there is any defects, we automatically risk rate them applying the NSC schedule or the CVSA out of service criteria. So your drivers, hopefully, uh, if they properly do an inspection and click everything they need to in the app, uh, they should never get an out of service. Um, The other thing that we do that I find carriers uh, lack on in reviews and audits is we track out all of the repairs that happen properly from a DVIR being conducted. A lot of times drivers like to say no defects found on their reports because they don't want to drive a vehicle with any defects. However, a couple of things wrong with that. There's going to be defects on trucks. So if you're always saying no defects found, you're probably not telling the truth. Hey, Josh here again, just another quick interruption of our conversation. As I really want to recommend that you visit compliancebox.ca and learn more about how their systems can really align with your organization's goals when we're talking compliance needs. So again, learn more by visiting compliancebox.ca. Let's get back to the episode. So... If I come do an audit and I find a repair, for example, Cal Tire got called out to repair a flat tire, why? When I go marry that to the pre-trip and the pre-trip says no defects found, 
well, the driver's not doing effective trip inspections. There's there's defects on it and they're not finding them. Um, or roadside enforcement. If you're one of those people that has uh, a, a full book of DVIRs, hopefully just carbon copies, because you have to put them in your file within 20 days. Uh, but if you have months worth of DVIRs and they're all no defects found, that officer is probably going to decide to do an inspection on your truck because they're thinking maybe you haven't done one. Um, so we want to we want to close that gap. We want to try and coach that. And then there's some things that that suck. Cal Tire comes out and replaces that flat tire. Well, especially if it's a, a trailer or a truck that uh, they just want to get going on the side of the road, that tech probably didn't capture the odometer reading. And every single repair record has to have the nature of work performed, what vehicle it was on, who did it, and the odometer reading. So if, if the Cal Tire invoice is what goes into the file, and it shows zero odometer or that's blank, it's not a compliant repair record. So compliance box uh, asks a few simple questions of the driver or the administrator adding a, a repair document saying, who did it? What was the odometer? And we create a compliant repair record even if that third party invoice doesn't have what's there. And then the other half of what we're trying to do is uh, ensure proper scheduled maintenance inspections and lubrications are completed properly uh, with all the required information. Uh, so a lot of carriers in the uh, new carrier compliance review don't understand the maintenance intervals uh, questions that are uh, in the sample uh, Alberta transportation manual. So uh, without trying to spend another hour on this topic, pretty briefly, every carrier in Alberta has to define how often they will be doing lubrications, which means an oil change and a greasing on any power unit, anything with an engine, and greasings for anything without a, uh, an engine, so their trailers and other towable units, um, as well as they have to perform a scheduled maintenance inspection uh, at regular intervals. How, how do they set those intervals? Uh, what, how often do these need to get done? First and foremost, what you put in writing, you have to follow. So I've had to do an audit on a carrier that said that they were going to do scheduled maintenance inspections weekly. It's a family-owned business, and the dad showed up every Saturday to inspect their fleet. But he took three weeks off at Christmas. So when we're going through all the records, um, there was 49 inspections in the file, but there should have been 52 for the year. So were they all there? No, they weren't. Uh, you could go the other way and you could say, I'm going to do an oil change and a scheduled maintenance inspection once every million miles. Well, an oil change, you're going to blow up your engine before a million miles. Scheduled maintenance inspections, um, you're probably not catching things. So what are we do for the litmus test of what is acceptable? Uh, are, do you have a reasonable interval? Is we check your performance history for on-road enforcement and for your CVIPs. If your maintenance interval is 200,000 kilometers that you're going to inspect the vehicle, okay. Uh, but when you do a CVIP, are they spending nine, dollars $20,000 doing repairs? Or are you getting pulled over by roadside enforcement and uh, receiving thousands of dollars in fines because there's 30 things wrong with the truck? then potentially your interval is too, too large.
And, and finally, you're allowed to set your intervals based off of time, off of engine hours or kilometers. If you do engine hours, you need to record engine hours in your maintenance documents. Otherwise, we can't check that you're following those intervals. Um, if you do kilometers and you say your trailers are going to follow that by every 20,000 kilometers, the trailers need to have a hub meter on them. I, that trailer may be connected to the truck 24-7, but we can't accept that through an audit. It might get hooked to another truck. It might be uh, traveling different. So if you say you're going to do a trailer inspection every 20,000 kilometers, but there's no hub meter, we're not going to be able to verify that you're doing it. Um, and the other thing that fall, people fall back down on with this is taking a unit out of service for a period of time. Maybe you're going to park a truck for six months or a trailer gets rarely used. If you say in your program, you're still going to do an inspection or a lubrication every six months. I need to see in the file that it gets done every six months, even if it's parked. Now, I can recommend a carrier might do something like what we call a temporary maintenance suspension. Put something in the file saying, today's the day that we parked it. This is the odometer or hub meter reading if it has it. Uh, and it's being removed from our maintenance program because we don't plan to use it for a while. The day you bring it back into service, you should have another form document saying, this is the day we brought it back in. We're checking, does it need to have a lubrication or a scheduled maintenance inspection because of the duration that's been parked? If it does, that's happening today. And then we move forward. So Compliance Box tries to help manage that as well for, for carriers. But um, that's what we're, we're trying to do is, is educate and uh, take the time away from the administrative staff to know everything about the entire fleet and let them focus on the things that need to take their priority. Yeah. Powerful. Powerful, man. I was like getting dizzy because I'm in agreement. So it's like, yes, see, told you, told you. Because yeah, the entire workflow. So I like when you went to the uh, to the trip inspection and I like that it risk rates because I think a lot of times just through experience, professional drivers will not want to record or there's fear of repercussion because they think they did something wrong. And that's definitely not the case. So the fact that you can eliminate that and really the system takes the blame. This is what I saw. This is what I put in. If there's a diagram, this is exactly what it looks like. Yeah, that can't go. That's a lot of peace of mind. But then on the flip side, the whole workflow being completed and then come time of an audit or come time of an insurance review, or maybe you have law enforcement asking you questions, you have everything. You can say, oh yeah, I'm good. Like, no problem. What do you want to look at? And then it's navigating the system, which is also super, super easy to use. So all in all, man, you, as you can tell by my passion, I'm a huge fan of just the system itself. So compliance box is awesome. But as you can hear Chris just really naturally explain how he's solving problems to simplify, to empower and allow people to really focus on other things. I think it's phenomenal. So again, there's uh, just so much value. And I can see that from a car or from a company starting up, you are trying to save time and you're also trying to save cost. And paperwork is expensive on both sides of it, purchasing it. And I think we did this uh, comparison in our first episode too, when we were talking about costs and stuff, but there's a cost of paperwork, there's a cost to manage the paperwork, and there's a cost of finding it or not finding it. So anyway, I just, I'm a huge fan of the program. So I appreciate that. When we're looking at a, um, so a new carrier, 
they are aware of the calendar months, but how would they officially, or would they be officially, I should, I should say, would they be like sent a letter saying, Kate, your time period is up or is it on the carrier to monitor the calendar? It's a hundred percent on the carrier to monitor the calendar. Um, it, they should receive an electronic notification as a reminder. Um, however, uh, all Alberta carriers officially now receive all their communication through Alberta Transportation's online portal, Travis Webb. Um, all the time now, the either the account wasn't created, it wasn't uh, set to an active email address, that person left or quit, or those email alerts are going to the junk folder or getting filtered out. Um, so unfortunately, I'm doing a large number of compliance reviews on carriers that have exceeded their 12 months and their certificates been suspended. The, the carriers have told me they weren't aware that it needed to get done or they thought the government was going to book it for them and it didn't happen. So they thought they didn't need to do it, uh, but their status is suspended. And sometimes uh, they don't find out for some period of time. Uh, once you're suspended, your uh, account at registries to be able to uh, get abstracts or renew license plates or add a vehicle is also suspended. And you're not allowed to operate a commercial vehicle with a suspended certificate. So fortunately, all of the people that I've done reviews on so far have found out at the registry side. Oh, I needed to get this review done two, three months ago, and they've been operating. If they get pulled over at a scale or on the roadside and they're caught with a suspended certificate, they can have their vehicle impounded and have some large fines. So uh, we need to make sure that everybody is aware of this on top of it um, and understand that even though they might not have got that email or been alerted, it was their responsibility to know their requirements and book it in advance. Um, I always say I have two types of clients. I have people that need a review in a year from now and they're proactive and one that needed a review a month ago and they needed it yesterday. Um, so we're trying to get that balance to, to the more proactive people and have everybody educated so we don't have the risk of people getting their vehicles impounded and facing large penalties. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The uh, and I And I wondered what, and I don't know if there's an actual number yet or if there is, if it's public, but I wondered how many would lapse if there wasn't, oh, I thought I was going to get a letter because, yeah, again, you can blame busy or I didn't know I forgot all you want, but ultimately you're right, it is your responsibility. So at the time, they would refer to the list that you talked about initially with the list of reviewers and auditors, correct? That's That would be the place to be? Yeah, that's correct. They should receive a notice letting them know that it's coming up uh, to remind them and attach to it a list of the certified people that can complete it. If not, that list is always available on Alberta Transportation's website. One thing that just changed is the review now can be conducted remotely. If you're a new carrier with a large amount of uh, electronic documents, uh, now you can have the re uh, reviewer uh, complete the, the new carrier compliance review entirely remotely which allows uh, some carriers to save some, some time and money on arranging to ensure 
that reviewer comes to their principal place of business that might have a mileage charge. It might limit who's available to do it. Uh, so now it doesn't even have to happen at their principal place. We can do them entirely online. It's huge. That's yeah, a huge win, especially from a time factor for both sides. So that's really good to know. I appreciate that. And then, yeah, again, any link that's mentioned, I will include. So that way, again, people can go right there. And I, I think I'm allowed to say this because it is my podcast that I thousand percent think all new carrier compliance reviews and audits need to go to Chris and KCAN and Duncan. So it, um, I will always say that I'm a, I like waving like the big, the KCAN flag and saying yes. And uh, anyway, I just really advocate for you. So if you're in that position, that is my call to action is make sure you call Chris, call Duncan, who's part of KCAN and just, yeah, great, great guys. Highly recommend it. So say someone met the timeline or they're going through a review and they don't, I'll be mindful of the language. They're not up to par. I know it's not necessarily like an audit because it's a review, but what happens if they're not up to par? And at the same time, can you kind of differentiate what not up to par looks like or what good or up to par looks like using the right language there? I, I can do my best. So the, the way that I describe this to carriers is, uh, our job as the reviewer is just to measure how deep the water is. What is your current level of compliance? And then we submit a report to Alberta Transportation that lists that level, that answers those questions. The report does have a final score, uh, but there's nothing that we uh, can, can do, say, or even the government would listen to us uh, for what penalties a, a carrier might face. Uh, I have no knowledge or act or accountability on what happens. Uh, so once we complete a review as a reviewer, it kind of goes into the, the, the ether and disappears. I have to delete any and all communications we've had, uh, any records we've had. It just goes to the government and, and disappears for me. That being said, a lot of carriers call me and they're stressed out and concerned and worried. So what I say to that is, this is a review. It's not an audit. Everything that we've been hearing about the review process has been uh, intended to be educational. We want to point out the warning flags of the holes you can step in and let you know they're there uh, and not worry about having your business shut down over it. Are there penalties that you could face from this? Absolutely. Um, a carrier may receive a fine. Um, they may receive a condition from the government that might require them uh, to conduct some additional actions that might be requiring them to force their drivers to have additional training um, or have a, a review completed again to show that they've improved. Um, there's lots of things that, that can happen from this. Um, Having a business shutdown or a large administrative penalty issued for a new carrier compliance review, having a poor score, um, I would say is rare, if not hasn't happened yet. Uh, and it's going to be reserved for uh, cases that pose a severe and imminent risk to the health and safety of the public. Basically, if you are operating a wheel shedding missile of death, that's a danger to nuns, orphans, and hockey players. Um, the, the public's going to care about it and the government's going to crack down. 
if you're doing anything to operate a reasonably safe business and you're attempting to do what you can to, to follow the rules, then I would say a new carrier compliance review should not be something you lose sleep over. Um, don't delay it uh, trying to get your ducks in a row. It'd be better to not be suspended, have the measurement of what your current compliance level is, and know what you need to improve. That's right. where I, I say it. Good, good. And that's really encouraging too, because yeah, I think even being through a couple audits myself, I lost sleep because there's a fear of the outcome. There's a fear of, again, in my situation, it was job security, where I always felt like that was lingering over me. If we fail, you're done kind of thing. But that's really good to know. So I appreciate that. And then, um, yeah, my last question before we do come to a close was, what happens after the review is completed? And they, they did not, they passed. I'll use the word pass. What would be the next steps? Was it getting an updated safety fitness certificate? Because I know there's just the renewal period after the three years, but yeah, what would happen next after that? Uh, as soon as we submit the report, it's on to Alberta Transportation to, to take any actions that they might see fit. Uh, so I always recommend carriers ensure that they have access to their online portal with Alberta Transportation and make sure that they're able to uh, receive any communication the government may send uh, and watch out from there. That will contain your next steps. If the government would like to make some additional actions based on the results of your review, they will send you a letter there. Um, my understanding is that no news is good news. If you don't hear anything from there, operate as you uh, were minus any corrections that may have been identified in the review. Uh, after that, keep going until your safety fitness certificate is up for renewal. Make sure you submit your renewal before it expires. And as long as your uh, carrier profile remains uh, out of monitoring, uh, you're unlikely to be selected for a random audit or an investigation. Keep running your business. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really good clarity. I'd say this entire conversation, Chris, just once again, I just really admire your expertise in this space. And you really, even though there's a lot to, I guess, digest, you're a really clear communicator. So it's, you do this, don't stress. You do this, don't stress. Like, I really admire that about your leadership because you don't have to make it like the world's ending. It's just like, okay, but I agree. Don't be dangerous out there as well. So appreciate that. And just that, as we come to a close today, it'd be awesome if you could just let our listeners know again, one more time, where can they go to visit KCAN Safety Consulting, but also Compliance Box? Yeah, well, I, I think one last thing I'll touch on is, is uh, uh, yes, we want to strive for zero fatalities on the highway. Everybody wants to strive for zero uh, non-compliance uh, in uh, an audit but it happens. An abstract might come from uh, a registry agent late. A guy might have to be 15, 20 minutes over on his hours. So as long as you have a plan to be able to address those so they're not common occurrences and you can uh, fix future behavior, it happens. Don't be aiming for a 0% score. There is non-compliance that happens in owner operators up to billion dollar companies. Um, last back to KCAN, uh, KCAN.ca or compliancebox.ca are our two websites. 
Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me wherever uh, on social media. Uh, if you see me at an AMTA meeting or, or anything else, come over, say hi, ask your question. Uh, I'd always rather educate and inform a carrier uh, than have someone too shy to come up and ask a question. Great. Yeah, man. Honestly, it's great to have you back. Really, again, I'm grateful for the leadership in this space. And I think we helped a lot of carriers today that are new or people that were looking into it. Maybe they thought it was too burdensome. I think, again, with the right guidance and training and just support, it's possible. Absolutely. So again, just thank you so much for coming on to the podcast again and just for all the ongoing support. It really does mean a lot. Well, and thank you for what you're doing to the industry. Uh, these educational bits and all the guests and peers that network that you're growing, uh, I think really, really benefits the the carriers and drivers and all the roles that touch uh, this industry and benefits it. So yeah, shout out. You're doing a good job. Thanks, babe. Appreciate that. Okay. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and thank you again. That means a lot. So I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Chris, my friend, thank you so much for coming back onto the Truck Focus podcast and for the expertise that you shared during our conversation today. So as our listeners heard, there is a ton of information to know in order to operate within the boundaries of compliance. And honestly, our conversation, we just scratched the surface of what is, what is actually required. So for new carriers in Alberta, or for those looking to become a new carrier here in Alberta, it's crucial that you really put your best foot forward with your compliance efforts, just like your sales efforts. And if you have questions about your requirements or are looking to schedule your new carrier compliance review, then I highly do recommend that you speak with Chris directly so you can learn more by visiting kcan.ca. Furthermore, if you're looking to create a strong compliance culture while making your processes more efficient, then I highly recommend that you check out Compliance Box. So you can learn more by visiting compliancebox.ca. Again, just super grateful, Chris. So grateful for the expertise that you shared, the insights, the information, and just you got to watch out for this. And I'm just, I'm super grateful. I'm really proud to call you my friend. And again, just thank you so much for hopping on. So if this is the first time you've ever checked out the Truck Focus podcast, I really want to welcome you to our community and to our dedicated listeners. Just want to continue to say thank you so much for your investment of time. It really does mean a lot. I ask that you like this episode and share it out as I know that there's a ton of new carriers here in Alberta that need to understand what's required of them, but also they need to understand how Chris and Duncan with KCAN Safety Consultants can really be of value to them when their time comes for their review, as well as I just highly recommend that you consider integrating compliance box into your organization. As always, let's create a pivotal impact.